Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. Hello, listener. This show contains strong language and upsetting imagery that may be sensitive for some listeners. We invite you to listen with care, but listen closely, as you will discover that Green Man is a poignant, life-affirming, and even uplifting story. Its resolution is not what it seems. Chapter 4 Rayo had found some canned peaches in the basement and made peach cobbler for dessert. The kid kept his head bowed when Rayo sat down a bowl of fruit in front of him. What? You don't want dessert? The kid's answer was to stick his fork in the peaches and to start shoveling the cobbler in his mouth. Rayo could tell he was mulling something over, so the pair ate in silence. Rayo split his attention between the view of the imposing shadows of the now dark trees beyond the window and the surveillance screen tablet propped up against the salt shaker. It took a while, but when the kid's monologue gradually resumed, Rayo listened, absorbing the salient facts. The boy's grandfather, the one who'd built the house and died of cancer, was his grandfather on his mother's side, he told Rayo. That explains it, Rayo said. What do you mean? Why are you still here with your pa? He let you go. He's got no claim to this property. The place probably went to your mother when he passed, right? I don't know. You're your old man's bargaining chip. He holds on to you, he holds the house and the land. The kid's face fell. He suddenly looked sad. Oh, I don't know that for sure. I'm just saying, you know, speculation is all. Okay. Rayo encouraged the kid to talk about his mom, even though it caused more tears to well in the boy's eyes. Soft, sentimental, not good. Rayo figured he needed to toughen up if he was going to survive, but he didn't say so aloud. According to the kid, He'd been enrolled in school and his mother had been a librarian in Brewster, the next town over. A dozen years earlier, she had met Pa in a cafe on her lunch break at the library when he'd pulled up outside on his motorcycle. Rayo kept his thoughts to himself. Same old story. Good girl falls for bad boy. Never ends well. Last fall, Pa had demanded she quit her job and stay home with the kid to homeschool the boy. No use wasting gasoline going into town Gas is expensive. Times are hard. Her take-home pay wasn't enough to justify the trip. Yeah, thought Rayo. That probably meant her husband didn't want anyone to see her with a black eye, or a broken wrist, or with bruises on her arm. Same old story. 
part two, isolate the abused, cut off her lifelines to the outside world, crush her spirit so bad she can barely get out of bed. Rayo didn't expand on this theory. The kid lived in denial, positively wallowed in it, probably lessened his own suffering somewhat. Bottom line, a few months back, she finally had enough and made a run for it. Left the kid behind so her abuser wouldn't follow. Fled one night with only the clothes on her back. Roared off down the drive in her old clunker Toyota. Never came home. The kid painted her like some noble damsel in distress. Heroic in her escape. Yeah, right, thought Rayo. When pigs fly, selfish bitch. Mister? The kid brought him reeling back to the present moment. Rayo realized he'd been fuming, like he'd been the abandoned one. Will you help me do something? Depends on what the fuck it is. Can I show you? Yeah, sure. They stood in the front of the closet door, the one with the padlock on it. A heavy haspen latch. The kid held a screwdriver in his hand, bouncing the shaft on his palm, hopping from foot to foot, anxious. Is there a way to open this door so it doesn't look like I did? You mean so your old man wouldn't know you'd been inside? The kid nodded, all saucer-eyed and hopeful. He held out a screwdriver. Rayo ignored it. No, Rayo said. There's not. The kid's face fell. Nobody said life's lessons were easy. The kid needed to learn that sooner rather than later. You want inside? The kid shrugged. Fuck that. Rayo was no fan of noncommittal responses. He raised his left leg so the bottom of his foot was poised like Bruce Lee and used his full body weight and muscle strength to send a bone-jarring kick at the door panel. The door flew open, ripping the hasp from the door jamb, sending splinters flying through the air. Rayo could feel the reverberation down his entire injured right side, especially in his hip and knee. Blinding pain. White light zapped his vision for a second before the pain subsided to the normal dull ache. By the time he refocused, the kid was already inside the storage room, on his knees, pawing through the cardboard boxes. Rayo took in the empty ammo boxes on the floor, the metal gun cabinet against the back wall, and he reacted instinctively. He grabbed the kid by the back of his hoodie, lifted him clean off his knees and into the air, and pinned him to the back wall, holding him aloft. The kid looked like he was treading water, desperately trying to find purchase with the toes of his sneakers. The fuck are you doing, kid? You going for a gun? No, mister, no. The kid held what he had clutched in his hands, a photo album. Rayo let the kid go and jerked it from the boy's hands. He leafed through it, a bunch of pictures of the boy and his mother, a skinny dishwater blonde with a horse face and long, thinning hair. No beauty, but positively radiant when she had her arms around her young son, which she did in most of the photos. Self-timer selfies, a chronology of mutual adoration over the years. Rayo handed the photo album back to the kid. My mistake, sorry I overreacted. The kid, on the verge of tears, stared at Rayo. Rayo saw fear there, and defiance, and surprise. His pa probably had never apologized before. Bullies seldom did. Then a beatific smile, the kid scampered off, holding his treasure to his chest. The cabinet was unlocked. Probably thought the locked door was good enough. Rayo opened the cabinet and found two rifles, three handguns, two of them cheap throwdowns, and a decent Colt 45 auto, a sawed-off Remington shotgun, and a lethal-looking machete. Jackpot. 
He loaded all the weapons and all the boxes of ammunition he could find into an old duffel bag and carried it with him when he went to look for the kid. In the early evening, Rio sat on the porch in a genuine handmade wooden rocking chair, presumably made by the kid's dead grandfather, the duffel full of guns at his feet, sipping hot coffee he'd made for himself and the kid. He'd given the machete to the kid. The blade was dull and rusted, though it looked lethal enough, more toy than weapon. Rayo didn't need it. He preferred firepower to a blade, especially in his circumstances. He turned on a pole light, which illuminated the gravel front yard, and the crazy kid was running up and down like a little maniac, swinging the machete over his head, then jumping sideways while he thrust and parried, battling some imaginary foe, playing like a normal kid, like he'd never been chained half-naked to a tree not more than 12 hours ago. The kid even provided his own sound effects, which were more like sputtering and whooping than authentic battle cries. But the kid made up for the lack of authenticity with enthusiasm. Rayo could see the kid periodically glancing out of the corner of his eye, checking to see if Rayo was watching, clearly enjoying having an audience. Better than TV, in Rayo's opinion, the kid's antics with the machete. Better than conversation, too. Outside in the fresh, cool air, thick with the fresh scent of a million verdant green trees. For the first time, Rayo wondered what his life would have been like if he had taken a different path. The way of a citizen, straight. He always thought of them as suckers, as marks, but now he wasn't so sure. Maybe got married to some nice girl, had a kid or two. Maybe one like the boy, been a father, a good father, or at least the best he could be, sitting like this, but on his own porch, watching his kid play in the yard, something like pride swelling in his chest. Complacency will get you killed. That's what his old crew boss used to say. Rayo shook his head as to clear it and stood. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. The plaintive whining of suckers. That wasn't Rayo. Not one fucking bit. I'm going inside for a while, he said to the boy. Clean up a bit. The kid stopped mid-thrust. Okay. Disappointed. Kids wore their emotions on their faces like grease paint. Hadn't learned to hide what they were feeling. That would come soon enough. Rayo heaved up the duffel, picked up the tablet, and went inside, the screen door slamming behind him. Rayo took a long, hot bath. It had been years since he had sat naked in a tub. Water pressure was good and the hot water was abundant. He used a washcloth and a bar of ivory soap to wash every inch of his body, intent on scrubbing any remnant smell of prison out of his pores. The underlying odor of caged men, despair, bad teeth, hormone-fueled anger, stinking and sweaty bodies in a confined space, was the same in every prison he'd been in. An ambient stench, all gone now, down the drain. He was careful around his bruises and scrapes and cuts, which were all nicely healing. He peeled off the duct tape, no infection. Good. He washed his hair twice, even though he didn't have much hair to wash. He'd stuck his scavenged shirt, pants, and underclothes in the washing machine in the basement. He preferred them now that he'd worn them a while. There were clothes in the house for the taking, but there was no fucking way he was going to wear ripped and holy denim shit belonging to some rolling cannibal asshole six inches taller and probably 50 pounds heavier from a sagging beer belly. But Rayo didn't hesitate in confiscating a pair of shoelaces for his new boots and a wool watch cap that was still in his plastic bag from the discount store. Rayo knew the basic rules of being on the run from experience. Whenever you got the chance to eat, to sleep, to wash your clothes, take a shit, or take a hot shower or a bath, Take it. 
You never knew when you'd next get the opportunity. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The water had emptied from the tub, but he still had his bare feet splayed on the porcelain bottom. The slippery surface felt good on the soles of his feet. He was sitting on the rim, a towel wrapped around his waist, tending to the now healing gash on his right thigh, when he felt a slight breeze behind him like the door was slowly swinging open. Rayo didn't wait for the machete blade to strike him in the neck, to slice through his carotid artery, which it could do, dull blade or not. Single movement. He jumped up out of the tub, twisting in the air to face the door, the Colt 45 pistol in his steady hand, the finger on the trigger. The kid was standing there, no machete, staring open-mouthed at the tattoo on his back with the same look of fearful wonder that Rayo had seen on the faces of even the most hardened cons in the shower room. What the fuck is that? The kid didn't even seem to notice that Rayo had the muzzle of a loaded gun pointed directly at his face. Rayo lowered the 45. You go sneaking up on folks like that, kid, you're gonna end up dead. Sorry, mister. I didn't mean to. Taking care to soundlessly turn a doorknob and crack a door open was an intentional act, but Rayo didn't argue the point. Undisguised amazement in the kid's tone. You got a tattoo of the green man on your back. The what? The green man. Yeah, it's green. Green's my favorite color, so fucking what? No, the face. It's a picture from a book. What book? I'll show you. And then the kid took off, charging up the stairs by the racket he made, taking two or three steps at a time. Rayo called after him. Give me a minute. I'll meet you up there. Okay, mister, the kid called back. Pitch black beyond the curtainless windows in the kid's crow's nest bedroom at the top of the stairs. No visible green now, only darkness. The trees were even darker shadows against the backdrop of night. The window glass reflected the weak overhead light and the pine paneling on the walls. Rayo sat on the folding chair and watched as the kid pulled cardboard boxes of books out from under the bunk and from out of the closet. He rummaged through each one before he went on to the next. All the books were stamped discard. Brewster Library Rejects. Rayo figured that had been where his mom worked. Cafeteria workers took home leftover fried chicken. Librarians, books. Rayo knew what he'd prefer. Found it! The kid held a coffee table-sized book and scooted on his butt across the floor so he could sit cross-legged next to Rayo's chair. The cover of the book was a kaleidoscope of leaves, a whole bunch of shades Rayo knew by heart. Myrtle, olive, hunter green, Brunswick Green, Shamrock, Lime, Moss, and Sage, and then some. The title of the book was The Eternal Mythic Symbol of Man and Nature, Green Man. What's it about? The kid, hyper-focused, 
flipped through the book until he found what he was looking for. Here, look, mister. See? There it was. A full-page rendition of the leafy face tattooed on Rayo's back, right down to the smallest detail. Identical. The kid stared at Rayo, expectant, waiting for something, maybe a startled reaction. He could wait all night if that was the case. No surprise. Rayo had been in enough tattoo parlors to know that a good 80% of skin artwork imagery wasn't original but derivative. Tattoo artists called images from classical art, pop culture, cartoons, ancient symbols, just about anything. Even the rolling cannibal's two-headed serpent that adorned their colors came from a symbol depicted on an Egyptian urn or some shit. Yeah? So? The kid's face fell, imploding in on itself like a collapsing building. The kid would have to work on that. Made him too transparent, easy to read. Inscrutable was better, especially in prison and probably in public school. But they weren't in the prison yard or the schoolyard now. No point in being a hard ass. Rayo moved to the bottom bunk so he could lie down on the bare mattress and stretch out his sore leg. His hip throbbed, but lying down helped. Okay then, what's it say? You gonna tell me about it or what? 180 degrees in a split second. The crestfallen kid U-turned and reverted to the grinning, enthusiastic maniac that must be his basic nature. Holding the book like it was the holy grail, the kid clambered up onto his top bunk. Rayo laying on his back, his hands behind his head, watched the springs bending overhead as the kid settled himself. Rayo preferred the top bunk too, but he reckoned the kid liked it because it was closer to the overhead light and he could read by it. Rayo preferred the top bunk because in his mind, it kept him less susceptible to unprovoked assault from another inmate. According to the book, Rayo's body art came from the 19th century painting on display in some museum in London simply called Green Man. An artist from the Ercomboldo Revival School, whatever the fuck that was. You want to hear more about Green Man, mister? Sure. The kid read random passages from the book in his clear, high voice probably the way he read aloud when called upon in class when he still went to public school. Smart kid. He could pronounce most of the words without sounding them out. The stuff the kid read was all over the map, but it held Rayo's attention. Stuff about fertility and demons and Christian interpretations and artistic inspiration. Rayo couldn't digest all of it. All that shit about Celtic Cernanos, the Greek Pan, and Dionysus went right over his head. But he learned a couple of interesting things. Like the green man is a pagan nature spirit, a symbol of both man's union with nature and his reliance on it, eternally entwined, a symbol of growth and rebirth, a symbol of the eternal seasonal cycle, the coming of spring and the life of man. According to these pagan folks, whoever the hell they were, man was born from nature and so neither could survive without the other. Man's fate and nature's is one and the same. Fucking A, thought Rayo. Those pagan folks got that right. The book had lots of pictures and the kid would stop reading and hand Rayo the book so he could look for himself. Dozens of green man illustrations, from oil paintings to wood carvings to faces etched on brass grave slabs. Lots carved in stone on the walls of ancient churches. All different, but the same too. The green man, the kid read aloud. Sprouting vegetation from his, uh... Orifices is also a reminder of the death that awaits all men, but a death that is not final. 
New life naturally springs out of human remains, and Green Man offers a pagan representation of resurrection and rebirth, a symbol of the eternal cycle of life itself. The kid paused. Maybe he was tired of reading, or maybe he'd reached the end of the book, or maybe he was absorbing all he'd read. You read real good, kid. I know adults that couldn't read half as good as you, me included. Thanks, mister. I really liked hearing all that. Thank you. The kid didn't answer, but Rayo could hear muffled sniffles overhead. Rayo didn't know if the boy was crying or not. Maybe he wasn't used to being appreciated for what he could do well. Rayo didn't look back as he slid off his bunk and headed off down the stairs. Give the kid his space, he figured. His privacy. His dignity. The kid deserved that much. Good night, kid. He said over his shoulder. Sleep well. We'll see you in the morning. Green Man. Created by Cassie Wells and Dave Beasley. Starring Scoot McNary. Post-production sound by Joe Morales and Elftree Studio. A Haywood production. hear someone call your name and you turn but no one's there and a shiver runs down your spine when something moves just out of vision and it sets in do you know that feeling good it means you're paying attention micah jones set out to record a podcast about her recurring nightmares all she wanted was to finally get some sleep Instead, unnerving coincidences began to pile up, and someone from her past resurfaced to recount a story that upended her world. I'm Micah Jones. My friends and I stumbled onto something much darker, something we were never meant to find out. My dreams aren't just dreams. They're memories. Warnings. I should have paid closer attention. The How It Ends podcast is no longer releasing in real time. We can't. It isn't safe. But if you're just finding us, start at the beginning. Thank you for listening. Find how it ends wherever you get your podcasts.